Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. Mom was cooking some pancakes and there were two young boys at the table, Kevin and Ryan. Kevin was five and Ryan was three. And they were fighting over who was going to get the first pancake. And mom thought this was a opportunity to teach a moral principle. And she looked at the two boys and she said, if Jesus were here, he would say, you go ahead and have the other pancake, or have the first pancake. So Kevin looked at Ryan and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. <laughs> Aren't you glad that we're living in a world that's getting a lot more selfless? Aren't you glad that we're living in a world that's a lot more selfless? Do you feel that? Shake your head no. It's not, is it? We, we uh, eat out a lot. We, we eat out probably too much. And we've had servers, believe it or not, and all we did were, was wait to get served and to place an order kindly and use please and thank you. And it might take a little bit longer because there are not as many cooks or servers in restaurants right now as there were. And we've been thanked profusely for just being kind. Isn't that amazing? So a little bit of kindness can go a long way. Now today, we're in a third sermon in the series of More or Less. And the first week, we talked about being more present and less distant. Last week, we talked about being more kind and less critical or less judgmental, and this week we're going to talk about being more selfless and less selfish. Well, why? Because it's impossible to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus and live a self-absorbed life, isn't it? Jesus said it this way, and these are red letters, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. He said, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Following Jesus is a life of sacrifice, the exact opposite of self-absorption. And then Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 22, verse 26. He said, But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. So we're called to be servants. In fact, in this Luke chapter 22 passage, the apostles were fighting with each other to find out who was the greatest or who was the goat, the greatest of all time among the apostles. And Jesus said it this way. He said, the greatest among you must be a servant. And and if you think about this series, and I call this Relationship Series 2022, 
we, we have been through two years of this pandemic, and thank God we're getting out of it, and it feels almost full in here. And if you're joining us online, I just want you to know, even though you're in your pajamas and drinking your coffee and kicking back in your lazy boy, it's still better inside here. You just don't get the energy. Amen? And so we're glad you're joining us, but if you can make your way inside, we would love to have you and to be able to love on you and encourage you and to be more selfless toward you than selfish. But, but we've got to realize that our lives are relational, and a lot of people come to our church because they desire to, to be known and to know some people. And so it's super exciting that, that we are together and that we can know each other because of Christ. We are part of one huge body, one large family, one universal kingdom of God. And like Tony said in his communion meditation, that we have brothers and sisters in the Ukraine that are suffering right now, and we need to pray for them. And that's, I hope that's been on your heart these last two weeks that they've been at war with Russia. We just want to pray for them at the end of the service day, but every day. It's, it's, it just is on my heart, and it, and, and it just bothers me, and I hope it bothers you, and that God, we can count on God to intercede in a way to show himself powerful and mighty. Speaking of relationships, through this series... Behind every successful relationship are two people trying to put the other first. This is true in marriage. This is true in dating relationships. This is true in mere friendships, that we put the other first. But I can almost guarantee you this, and this is a generality, and please notice the qualifying word, but behind almost every struggling relationship are two people trying to put themselves first. And I've got it backward. Now, you could take a test on your level of selfishness, and we all are selfish to a certain extent, but the test, if you were looking one up, would be the narcissist test. The narcissist test, which is another word for self-centered or selfish. And, and one of the questions would be, uh, I love to be the center of attention. If you would say, yes, that is true, then you might be a narcissist. The other one is that I am so, so gifted and talented in extravagant ways that people need to know me and appreciate me, nearly worship me. That would be another indicator. And I think another, another question would be, and I've got to pause because I've got to think of it. Oh, I am so special that somebody needs to write a biography about me. <laughs> if you answered yes to those three questions, might be a narcissist. The Apostle Paul handles it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And, and I've preached this series before, or I've preached this passage before, but this is so different that I think it will encourage you. But notice what he starts out in saying. He says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... 
complete by my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Now let me ask you a question. Where would you experience all of this? If there's encouragement, if there's comfort from love, if there's any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, where would that be? You see, the, the community the Apostle Paul is talking about is the local body of Christ, the local church of Jesus Christ. And you can only experience that eye to eye, body to body, visibly being involved with one another. It's hard to do that on Zoom. It's hard to do that online because we are built to need each other and to be encouraged and supported by each other. But then Paul goes on and he says this, which kind of is out of context with what we just read. Look at the the beginning of verse 3. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Now, in the Greek, the word nothing means, guess what? Thought I threw you a curve there, didn't you? It actually means nothing. Don't do anything with selfish ambition or conceit. The opposite of selfishness is love. If you're a loving person, you're already other-centered. But he, he says don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit. And, and this kind of tells us there are two attitudes that we've got to eliminate as Christians from our life. And the first attitude is to eliminate selfish ambition. I've really been thinking about this passage of Scripture like I've never thought about it before because I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of the American way. Ambition is just a part of who we are. It is our spirit and our soul to make things better, to do more, to be more efficient, to be more productive, to to help make the world be a better place. That's ambition, isn't it? But notice Paul says, selfish ambition. It's all for me. That kind of attitude. And selfish ambition actually is a feeling of resentfulness based on jealousy and implying rivalry. This is, I have to be better than you. Paul tells us there's no room to compete in relationships, whether it's with your spouse or your friend or a family member or, or a classmate or a co-worker, on and on and on. I experienced this. I was just so shocked. I've got a good friend. I've, I've had a friend for, believe it or not, I've had friends for over 25 years, 30 years, some of them almost all my life. And I, I was meeting up with a friend, and he, he had had early retirement, and I was super excited for him, and I thought, hey, we, we, we'll, we'll have some time to play some golf together. We'll be able to do some things. I'd love to hang out with him and just catch up. So I call, he called me, contacted me via uh, a mutual friend, and we got, we, I said, hey, let's uh, buy lunch, let's get together, and we did all that. And we were talking about, hey, I kind of expected we'd do some things in retire. Since you've retired, if you've got some time, we'll do some things together. And basically, 
our relationship, he, we, it, it really had been competitive all our, all our lives. And I didn't realize it, whether we'd play a game of basketball or play a game of tennis. He was a little older, and he would always beat me. And so I was just a good loser. Seriously, I, was just always, I would always lose. But in life, you know how competitive we are with career and success and all those type of things. And I, I walked away thinking how brokenhearted I was because um, since he felt like he lost in, in the realm of life in that competition, that, that we could no longer be friends. And I, I, I walked away and I thought, how sad is that? That our relationship was built on competition and as long as you win, we can have a relationship. That's not the way relationships are meant to be, are they? You see, relationships already have enough competition from the outside, don't they? Just with everything that's going on in culture around us and the stress and the busyness and all the, all the things that we have to do, there's enough going on that we don't need to be competitive with each other. Selfish ambition in the Greek language means to seek to win followers. How appropriate. Where do we want to add more followers? On our Facebook page? On our Instagram page? On our Twitter? Isn't it all about followers? Now, the thing, the thing is, it can be used for good. Or it can all be about ourselves and selfish ambition. The second attitude I want to look at this morning that we want to eliminate, that Paul tells us to eliminate from our lives, is conceit. And conceit, this is kind of an interesting word. It's a state of pride which is without basis or justification. It's empty glory. And this conceit that Paul talks about, in in fact, in some of your translations, in some of your Bibles, it will say empty conceit, which which is is a glory that is about something that you really aren't. It's it's puffing out your chest on and bragging about things that you haven't achieved. That, that aren't really you. And, and this is dangerous. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I'm going to use a quote here in a few minutes, but C.S. Lewis calls this the great sin. We all have that pride. We all have some conceit. And it's natural in our sinful nature that we have that conceit in our lives. And, and the first thing to overcome it and to eliminate it is to acknowledge it. And, and Paul is saying here, their glory is only a false illusion. Paul challenges his friends to do nothing to obtain empty glory. The glory of position, of prestige, of power, and possessions. Now, is it wrong to have those things? No. But if we are seeking glory, if we are conceited because of them, then that is where it becomes sin for us. And the conceited person, you can identify that this in yourself or in others, is constantly provoking and putting down others to gain the highest place, the highest uh, position. And it's really all about self-promoting. 
that I have to be the best, the brightest, the most wonderful. And again, it has a lot of narcissism to this. So we want to eliminate conceit. But the, the Apostle Paul then says, here's something that you should cultivate in your life. And he goes on to say that we are to cultivate humility. Cultivate humility. And in verse 3, the latter part of this verse, he says, Do nothing for selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. It's about thinking about the other person first. Hopefully, as we've watched the news this last week, that we've thought about the Ukrainians, and it's brought us to pray. We've thought about our friends and our co-workers, and that maybe the stress that they're under, and this additional stress of concern for the Ukraine and, and that war, uh, and how it's impacting them. Those are ways that we could be other-centered. The art of otherness, some people call it. And it, it has to do with valuing others above yourself. Valuing others simply means to, to view the other person as the most important person in the room, rather than thinking that we are. So, so talking about humili- humility is kind of a challenge, and if if you think you have humility, you probably don't. If you don't think you have humility, you probably do. But, but there's a dance and a tension there. So what is true humility? C.S. Lewis says it this way. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking about yourself less. And let me just share with you that biblical humility means believing what God says about you over anyone else's opinion. And God has a lot of good things to say about you. Not only do you have, are you sinful by nature, you're saved by grace. You're chosen, you're called, you're gifted. You are God's masterpiece. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. He loves you like crazy. Do you believe that? Amen. You should because it's in his word. Humility is not devaluing yourself. It's not being self-critical. It's not walking around saying, woe is me, I'm so awful. That's not it. But it's displaying a proper esteem of what God has given you by his grace to serve him and others. Everything comes from him and is for him as we serve God together. So how do we do this? Look at verse 4 of this passage. It says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, we have to be self-interest to a point, but also to the interest of others. How is this change? How is this decision? How is this going to work? And actually, we're thinking, actually, I'm going to think of myself last so that I can spend more time thinking about others. So what's the motivation? Why should we do this? What is the driving force in our life for humility to avoid 
self-ambition and conceit. Paul goes on to say in verses 5 through 7 of this passage, he says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is what Jesus did. Jesus never, ever walked into a room where he was not the most important person. Why? Because when you're the most important person in the universe, you can walk into whatever room you want to. Amen? What if you were the most important person to walk into a room? What would you do? What Jesus did that last night was to take his clothes off, gird himself with a towel, and kneel down and wash his disciples' feet. That's what he did. He, he knew that he was going to leverage all the authority that he had in the universe, being the most important person in the universe, the creator who had been present from the very beginning, that he was going to give his life in sacrifice. And so, really, that explains verse 8 of this passage when it says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So if you ever find yourself as the most important person in the room, what do you do? You serve and you sacrifice in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's not about you. It's about what he's done for us. You see, the mature Christian puts the other person first before they ever deserve it. Jesus died for us before we ever deserved it. You might say, well, you might push back in this moment at this time because you think, well, I would do this for my spouse. I would do this for my friend. I would serve them, but they don't deserve it. You ever feel that way? They've They've done nothing for me. Or they've not done anything for me today. But Jesus gave his life before we ever deserved it. And we will never deserve his grace. I've, I've spent so much time explaining to people that salvation is a free gift of God. It's God's love extended to you. And I've heard people say, well, now that I'm baptized, now that I'm a Christian, I'm going to have to work really hard to earn this. And I've had to say, you you, you just don't get it. You will never earn it. You will never deserve it. It was given by grace before we even realized there was a God and that we needed Him desperately. The application of all this this week is this. Number one is, what's one selfless selfless thing, what's one selfless thing I can do for someone I love this week? What's one selfless thing? And number two is, what's one selfless thing I can do for others daily? 
Look for opportunities to serve, to love, and act selflessly like our Savior did for us. He leveraged His life, His power to serve us. This morning, I would ask you to stand as I pray. Father God, we uh, come to you today, and and, uh, Father, we're just seeking that you would help us in a struggle that we have between selfishness and selflessness, between loving and being self-centered. And Father, we just ask that you would help us by the indwelling of your Holy Spirit, by the encouragement of your word, by, by the desire to, to love others unselfishly, to give as we have received by grace, that others might know you. Father, we pray this for our closest relationships, for our spouses and our friends and our co-workers. And Father, I pray that we will just be that community of faith, that person of faith that, that encourages and inspires others to follow you. Father, for those that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, who never received your Holy Spirit into their life, I just pray that today's the day that they will be obedient in baptism. Father, join the body of Christ and uh, to know this uh, crazy love that you have for us and this grace that's beyond comprehension. Father, we just pray all of this in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We come this morning.